Good morning, church. I'm so glad. My name is Matt, and I'm so glad to be here today. I've uh, been anticipating the uh, coming uh, to Kingscliff. Our family moved up uh, just after Christmas, and yeah, we're excited to be here today. Um, humbled to be here before you, speaking on behalf of our, our great God. Thank you for the, the music. Wasn't that just a blessing to your heart to, to hear the praise, each other's praising God? So just, after, just over a year ago, um, a new chapter began in, my, began in my life as I became a pastor. Um, I don't blame you if you're thinking, what type of midlife crisis did he have? Um, <laughs> or, you know, maybe you're saying, um, how many things has he failed at before that, that he's um, here now? So... I've had those thoughts before, so that's okay. <laughs> um, it hasn't been easy to prepare the sermon this week as I've um, wrestled with, with God and in prayer and yeah, just wondering what is it that uh, he wants me to share. And the, the desire I have today is that you'll each leave with a greater desire for God um, and a relationship with him. Amen. So today as I share from scripture and some of my own testimony... Um, yeah, we'll hope that we'll look forward to how God was going to open our hearts. Uh, please just bow your heads as we pray. Dear Almighty Heavenly Father, thank you for being here present with us today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your wisdom and your scripture and your Holy Spirit. May you open uh, our hearts, Lord, but Lord, will you? I ask that you are able to speak through me uh, today, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I, I need a couple helpers uh, this morning, and I'm looking for a four-year-old. Uh, anyone here is four? Any four-year-olds? Yeah? No? There, someone around, around, even if you're around four, three or four, do we have a parent that could bring out their child? It's very easy. Um, there's some girls here, maybe. Is it? How old are you, girls? Five. Five. That's okay. You can come out. Can I? Can I have one volunteer? And also, I, I uh, need a couple more. So, an eight-year-old. Yeah, Eli. Okay, Eli, come forward. Yeah. Alrighty. So just just wait, Eli. Just wait there, and I'll get you up in a minute. So, yeah, come up. Yeah. So, could you tell us your name? Indigo. Indigo. What a beautiful name. Indigo, do you reckon you could pour this into this big jar? Yeah? Thank you. You can help. So, you just got to pour it into there. You can't reach it? Let's put it down here. There you go. That's it. Great. So, just, just put the bottle in like that. That's it. Fantastic. So, I want to thank my parents for giving me a great start in life. I was truly blessed. Thank you so much, Indigo. Everyone thank Indigo for helping out here. Thank you. <laughs> so, I was born in Armadale, and I had a... I was, I was brought up in like an orchard. So, we had cherries, and um, what else is on an orchard? Um, 
Any fruits? Peaches, yes, peaches, not mangoes. That's too tropical, but I love that. And apricots, so all the stone fruits, um, and it was just a really great environment. So up until the age of four, I was at that farm, and next door to us were my grandparents, one of my grandparents, my mother's parents, and also uh, we had a really close connection there with, with, with my grandparents. And at the age of four, we moved to Coffs Harbour on another farm, and we had a donkey, and my brother Tim, my older brother Tim, and I would ride bareback on this donkey. Um, his name was Jacko. And the very first day that our parents brought this donkey, they put us on his back. And as soon as we were on the back, he took off. And we were, I was just hanging on to his manes, and he ran down the paddock and stopped at the dam very suddenly. And my brother and I went straight in the dam. So that was, that was um, yeah, the, the sort of life that we had. Um, I guess the fear of, of change and the fear of new things um, was quickly pushed aside in our, in our family. And also at Coffs Harbour was my other grandparents. So my, my uh, father's uh, parents were there and my favourite auntie Pam. And we really had a really fantastic time as a family. I love my extended family. And today we love family. Anything that we can do with family, we really appreciate. But as a kid, I was super introverted. So I mean that, that quiet and that still that even in my own family I wouldn't often talk. Um, now, Eli, yep, you can pour another one in, thanks. So when I was, uh, grew up, I attended a local Adventist primary school at Coffs Harbour, and I have so many positive memories at this age. Uh, one of them was a cake decorating competition. I entered as a, as a young kid, only Eli's age, and I won that, and I won a storybook and all these things, and that, that set me on a path um, where I'd make many more cakes and decorate them after that. And also, at the fair, thanks Eli, thank you very much. At the, at the fair, at the school fair, we'd had a dog, eating comp sorry, a dog food eating competition. <laughs> <laughs> And so we had our dog, and Dad didn't, his name was Butch, and Dad didn't feed him the night before, so he would be extra hungry. He had to open up a tin of Pal, a big tin, and open it up, and then tip it out. And our dog was so hungry uh, that as soon as the can was opened, two mouthfuls, and it was, we won. Easy. <laughs> before it even hit the ground, there was no food left. So I was, you know, I loved the small school, the Adventist school that we had there. Um, a, now, a 12-year-old. Someone here 12? Yep, come up. Jude, is it? Okay, thanks. Can you help us with another one here? Thank you. Thanks, Jude. So, both of my grandparents were Adventists, and so our family would often go to church, uh, you know, weekly. And so church, the life of church was a massive part of growing up. I love Pathfinders. Thank you so much, Jude. I love Pathfinders. I loved socials. Uh, anything to do with, you know, church community was really a highlight. Even though I was still really introverted and quiet, I would always be willing, so willing to help, whether it was at Pathfinders or even up the front in church. Uh, you know, as a deacon or as a sound desk operator or even a, even a young elder at, at, at times. And I remember sitting on the floor at my grandparents at after church lunch 
and I'd be watching like Keepers of the Flame on VHS. Yeah, come on. Uh, and, you know, just, just really great memories of um, growing up in the church environment. My parents took me overseas to Low Island, which was a little island a couple hours south by speedboat from Manus Island, where the detention center is that you hear about. So just, we, we built a church there, and just, we had a lot of opportunities as a family to bond and to uh, be involved in mission. And it was such an absolute highlight of my, of my life to be involved that way. And you know, knowing Jesus in a real way, practical way, really set, set me up um, for my future. Uh, and now, 16-year-old. Do I have any 16-year-olds? I'm, sure I'm sure I do. Yep, I know. Yep, any, a girl or a boy, doesn't matter. It's, as you can see, it's not, it's not um, too hard. I know. Yeah, oh. <laughs> okay, tell me, tell me your name. Say that again. Tizita. Wow, nice <laughs> name. And what, tell us, what are you doing? What am I doing? Yeah, what, what, do, you do, what do you go to school? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm in grade 11. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm doing the normal stuff that you do in school. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for helping us out. And so, ever since I was young, I remember working or loving to be involved in the kitchen with mum. And so, from the time I won the cake decorating competition, I kept making cakes uh, but now in high school, um, I, think I, was, I think it was year 9 or 10, in the home economics class, um, I just, we, had a, we, had a, we had to, uh, one of the projects, the final projects was a cake. And so I thought it's time to take it up a level from my butter icing and piping to royal icing, um, handcrafted flowers, sugar, you know, sugared art with lace and all sorts of things. So I was doing that in year 10 um, and yeah, came, came to the top of the class, no, all that, no problem. So I was really passionate about um, cooking. And so this was the point in my, in my future that I said, I know exactly what I want to do. Um, I'm going to be a chef, and I'm going to cook, um, hopefully in like, you know, um, desserts rather than savouries. That was my favourite. So back in 1989, this is a long time ago for, for some of you, um, and not so long for others. But you, did, you didn't have to go to year 12 back then. It wasn't like frowned upon if you didn't go to year 12. Uh, so, you know, and because I was looking at an apprenticeship, I was only going to go to year 10. That, that was it. It was a no-brainer. I had to follow my passion. So I left at year 10. I went to TAFE. I signed up to a commercial cookery course, and I went to look for an apprenticeship. And I went to this place, went to an interview, went to that place, and I, I found that I had opportunities. I said, okay, yep, you've got the job. Um, and then I said, oh, by the way, I, 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 be, I don't work on Friday nights and Saturdays um, just because of my, my faith. And I said, oh, okay, see you later. Um, <laughs> and this happened time and time again. And maybe I wasn't so quick off the mark back then, but after a few of these, I thought, okay, the hospitality industry, the biggest nights, Friday nights and Saturdays. What are my chances of being a chef in this industry? Uh, so I was a little discouraged, um, but even at that age, I was more convicted that I would spend time with God on the Sabbath. And so for me, that was a real conviction. Um, so I didn't... I didn't pursue that. 
But my other passion at this was also computer programming. From year four, microbees probably don't know what they are, but 32 kilobytes of memory was maximum back then. And that was typing thousands of lines of code to make a little bleep on the screen. And that was cool. I love that. So I, I enrolled into TAFE there and started doing some, uh, some programming. Some programming. Now, do I have someone here who's in their early 20s who can help me out? Yeah, come up. Thank you, sir. Come right up. Just got to... Let me just try this. Hmm. Thank you. Tell, tell us your name. Michael, Mikael. Michael. What are, you, what are you doing now, Michael? Are you studying or are you working? I'm doing a rise. A rise. Awesome. And so you know you've got a plan to do a rise, and then you've got future plans? Or... Yeah, I do. Yeah. I want to be a pastor later on. Awesome. Awesome. So you've got to... Oh, you better take that. I'll take this. Thank you so much. Um, just, yeah, pour it into there. So you've got a purpose in life. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> So, so after this, not knowing what to do as a programmer or a cook, um, I thought, oh, well, I better do the Avondale experience. Who here has been to the Avondale experience? Yeah, quite a few of us. So I went off to Avondale for one year, and I learned to type. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if you know how shy I was, even though I was in a classroom of two boys, and I was one of them, and 30 girls, the odds were not taken advantage of. <laughs> so after my one year at Avondale, uh, it was time to submit to the only logical thing that was left to do. I would have to follow in my father's footsteps and be an electrician. So I had worked with my father for many years since I was, since I was little, uh, and so I knew a lot, so I had one year off the apprenticeship. So I, I started the apprenticeship. I thought this would be a, it's always great to have a trade under your belt um, and never know what the future might bring. But I was never super passionate about it. But I did it and I did it, did it, did it okay. Uh, someone here is in their late 20s. Late 20s. Do I have a volunteer? There's, there's got to be a few, a few people here. No? Oh, yes, come up. Awesome. What a great, what a great age this is. <laughs> Tell us your name. My name's Trinette. Trinette. Um, what do you do, Trinette? I'm a dentist. Dentist. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. Here's some water. Good choice. <laughs> Thank you. <Beauty>. Yes. <laughs> so I worked a number of years as a cook, electrician, and a computer guy, <laughs> a, co a computer sort of technician. But I longed for something more, so I rekindled my desire for computers and thought, okay, I'm going to start a, start a uh, bachelor's of computer science. And so that's what I did, by distance education. To cut a long story short, I uh, ended up with a job in Sydney at a production studio, uh, working on like, uh, like the Australian War Memorial, all the museums, the maritime museums. Those type of places had a lot of uh, interactive uh, kiosks and, and really cool stuff. And we, and we did that as well as um, a lot of overseas events uh, at, this, at this company. So that's, that's what I was doing in my late 20s. Got a job 
And this was really uh, a dream job. You know, I'd, I'd come to something that I felt like I finally, finally I've, you know, I couldn't do the cooking even though I love that. My second thing was programming and computers, and I really love that. And now I'm in an industry that's really cool with doing really cool stuff. So that was great. After a few years there, I went. I transitioned as a programmer uh, to an e-learning company, both in Sydney and Brisbane, and then had my own business for uh, eight, over eight years. Eight, eight, yeah, over eight years. Whilst in Sydney, though, um, I met someone, um, and it would be Nina. It would be our 16th anniversary, wedding anniversary this year. So, <laughs> it's, an, it's, an absolute, it's an absolute blessing uh, to have met Nina, to share life together. I turned 30 on my honeymoon, and I had always wondered, will I ever meet someone? You know, some, as, you, as your age gets up, you can have that thought. But I was really, really blessed, and I'm, I'm happy that I actually was, nerv was, was shy when I was younger, because I wouldn't have met Nina when I was older. <laughs> So what is the th common thread between all these different careers and experiences? For me, the one thing is, my heart was always set for God. Amen. No matter what job I was doing, no matter what career, what, what, what training, my faith was constant in God. And I was always willing and open to be uh, led by, by God. So... Let me just see here. Don't know if I just, the slide's up. Yep, great, thanks. So looking back to my childhood, the environment I was raised in and the, all the experiences that I had, I really feel that I was blessed. And do you know that the Bible talks about uh, pure hearts? And it talks about this in many places, but the one place that stood out to me that I'm going to share today comes from Jesus, probably the best sermon that he, that he took, um, above Capernaum there on the, on the mountain. And we're just going to turn, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 5, verse 8. So Matthew 5, 8 is where we're going to focus now, for those who haven't read this uh, recently, I'd encourage you to really um, spend some time in looking through this. this. is an awesome sermon by Jesus here. And, but just for today, we're just, I'm just going to look at this one verse in verse 8 of Matthew 5. And it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Have you ever wanted to find out who God really is? I know I have. I think um, that this is saying that by keeping your heart pure, you'll get to see God in heaven, but also now as well, to know who he is. So what is a pure heart? I propose that a pure heart is following God with your whole heart. So following God with your whole heart. Do we follow God with our whole heart or just part of our heart? So you might have heard someone say, um, I love you with all my heart, you know, to your sweetheart. 
Uh, but what does this really mean? You know, it's like every breath, every fiber of your body is in tune to that person that you love. They become the most important thing, even more important than you at times. And their plans and their wishes and their desires are what you're fo you focus on. So you're willing to put yourself out to make them happy. Have you ever thought of this or said this or felt this way about God himself? What encouraged me to talk today about this was from my devotionals, which I've been doing the last few months. And I've been reading through the Bible and I've just finished Second Chronicles. And what's always struck me was that these kings just didn't often get it right. You know, they, they seemed to be messing things up a lot. And they would follow God and they wouldn't follow God. They would follow God and not follow God. And if we look in Second Chronicles, I'll just share it on the screen. Second Chronicles uh, so, yeah, 12 and 14. And he did evil, for he did not set his heart to seek the Lord. So this is talking about Rehoboam, uh, the son of Solomon. Just after King Solomon that we know about, an awesome, God, awesome um, king who did a lot of good things uh, in, the, in the start of his life, at the end of his life, um, he changed a bit. But his son didn't listen to advice that he got, and he really messed up. After a couple years... He sort of, he sort of you know, just was played it safe for a couple of years. But after about three years, he really messed up so much that this is what it says about him. He did evil, for he did not set his heart to seek the Lord. And the whole Israelite camp, well, sorry, Judah followed him as well in that. So the reason for his evil was his heart wasn't set to seek the Lord. I don't know if you saw this uh, in the news this week. This archaeologist excavated this site, a previously unknown 15th century mass sacrifice site in Peru. They discovered the skeletons of 137 children, three adults and 200 juvenile llamas, according to this study. It goes on to say that they were cuts to their sternum where their heart had been removed. The children were mostly between 8 and 12 years old, both boys and girls. If you don't know what evil is, that is evil. Now, King Ahaz, the king, another king of Judah, also burned his own son as a sacrifice, something that was common to the surrounding nations of the time. Humans are not naturally good. We have an evil tendency. And I like this verse found in Matthew that gives us a bit of insight into this battle that, that we all experience. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. So we can try to keep up appearances uh, you know, for a while, but when the pressure gets on, we often show what's inside, what's really in our hearts, the words that we speak, the actions that we take. 
Now, now this is a pretty big deal, this, this talking about the heart. In the, just in researching, there's over 800 uh, references to the heart in the Bible that are referred to. So it's, it's really a battle that um, we each face and is, and is common to humanity. So what we set our heart to determines the course we take in life and our eternity. So as you sit here, I invite you to think about a time in your life when your heart may not have been pure or right with God. A time when you didn't put God first. What was it that led you away from God? Are you following God with your whole heart? Just like I became an electrician, I was only half-hearted at it. I did well at being an electrician. I even got an award as an apprentice. But because my heart wasn't in it, it didn't last. And it can be the same with our connection to Jesus. When we are not seeking God with all our heart, we are often focusing on something else. So let me tell you a a story of how I became contaminated. A few years ago, I was a slave to something. And I was contaminated. Who here has uh, heard of Fortnite? A few people. Okay. Who here has heard of World of Warcraft? Yeah, a few people. Okay. So... World of Warcraft, for those who don't know, was a game back in the early 2000s that came out. And it was a really groundbreaking game at the time. Um, you know, this is before... This is, a, this is at an era where you had to pay 20 cents to, to talk to each other on SMS. You know, this is history. This is way, way old. And this game allowed you to talk to each other for no cost, just the internet, uh, and you would you'd visit, talk over a speaker or type. But... What made this game so attractive for me was it, it was a whole world where you could explore and do quests and do different ventures. And you didn't just do this alone. Every other person you saw was another real person. So it's a lack of virtual reality. And we would often get 40 people together on like a group and we would go and try to defeat a dragon. And it would take three to four hours, you know, several times a week to do that. And it was, yeah, it was pretty addictive for, for me. Um, this game had about 21 million subscribers in its day. And, you know, it was, it, it was very, even just talking about it brings back those memories of when I was connected to all my friends and when you're trying to, trying to um, you know, as a man, defeat the enemy. Uh, so... You know, I got so absorbed into this game that I started to ignore other things. Uh, at the time, when I was married, we had uh, three kids. Yeah, two, one, one or two. Yeah, <laughs> somewhere around there. <laughs> and so I was a slave, a slave to that game. 
and everything in my life revolved around the game. So I would be up, I had my own business at this time, and I'd work from home, so I'd work under pressure to like 10 o'clock at night, a lot, quite often, and then I would say, okay, I need to relax, so I'm going to play this game of Warcraft now for about three or four hours. And I would do that. So it would, I would often not go to sleep with my wife, um, and I'd wake up late, grumpy, agitated, but my whole focus was on the game. And so, as you can see, uh, my heart was contaminated, and my focus was, was lost. And all through my life, even when I was four years old, um, I was contaminated. You know, there was, there was things that I did in my life that took me away from God. When I was four, when I was 16, when I was 20, when I was 30. And my focus was on God, but my reality was not always pure. So what does having a pure heart look like in your life and in mine? Is it trying to be perfect? No. Or is it? No matter how hard we try, no matter how hard I try, this is still messed up. There is someone, though, who is perfect, and their sacrifice is enough to cover our contamination. And by the grace of Jesus, he will cover our mistakes if we seek him to abide in him. So when you set your hearts to Jesus, he's able So pouring this in is like letting the Holy Spirit work in our lives. He swirls around, picks up the mess, the junk, and he makes us clean. He longs for each of us to do this. Not only knowing Jesus can change your life in this world, but it can give you a confidence and a hope for the future. Those with pure hearts have this hope of a better future. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I like how Ellen White uh, phrases this, this thought. But to hearts that have become purified through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, all is changed. These can know God. If you really want to know who God is, then all you have to do is set your heart to God. So, why did I choose to become a pastor? Why did I give up my business working from home? Why did I give up living near my family that I loved? Why did I give up our dream home near the beach? Why did I do this? Because it was only when I set my heart to seek God, this time, that I gave 100% of my heart to God. And it is after that that he led me and led us 
to where we are today. So where is God leading you today? I have absolutely no regrets with the decision to become a pastor. I would say that the last four or five years have been the most exhilarating um, of my life. But choosing to give my 100% of my heart to God has, is not for the faint of heart. Becoming a pastor was different. I found that I'd always been good at what I'd done. I was good at cooking. I did well at programming. I did well as an electrician. I did well at most things. I felt blessed, that's for certain. But it's not until I decided to be a pastor that I had to really rely on God. It wasn't until this path that I felt so inadequate. And it's hard sometimes. But I wouldn't have it any other way. Being able to see God working in each other's lives, in our own lives, is such a blessing that surpasses anything the world can offer. Even just this week, we went to an auction of what we thought might be our dream home. It wasn't to be. We were a little disappointed, but we're absolutely confident that God has a better plan for us. So, where to from here? Let me share one more text with you from James. It's a practical text. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and full of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. Imagine what you would be like with a pure heart. What would happen if you gave 100% of your heart to God this week? Imagine the overflowing of compliments towards your wife. Imagine the tenderness you would show to your husband. Or imagine being confident in knowing the purpose for your life. If you've never set your heart to seek God fully, then consider it. If you've been half-hearted with God, consider this as well. Jesus is waiting. He promises to transform our hearts of stone into a heart of flesh, into a pure heart so that we can really see God. I just invite you to stand with me for a moment as as I conclude. If this is you today, if this is your desire, if you want a pure heart, a heart that overflows with goodness, that is not evil, by the grace of Jesus, then all he asks us to do is to commit to set your heart to seek the Lord today. We don't have to do this by ourselves. We just have to set and say, I want this. If this is your desire today, then I encourage you to put your hand on your heart as we pray. God, we ask, we need the Holy Spirit to transform our hearts. Today, Lord, many have committed to setting their hearts to seek you, 
Lord, we are so feeble and weak, but Lord, you are so strong and powerful. You can turn the worst of us humanity. You can turn that around into something beautiful. May your son Jesus cover each of us this day. Draw us near to you. Please listen to the cries of our heart and remove our cold, stony hearts and give us a heart that lives and beats for you. Help our words to overflow from the hearts that are connected to you. Help our actions to res- that result from this changed heart go before us. May you keep us. May we abide in you and your word. This week, Lord, may you shine your face upon us. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray. Amen.